We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Away we go, episode 136 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, September 2nd, 2021, the day after a rainy day in the nation's capital. Remnants of Hurricane Ida battering the D to the M to the V. So rainy was it that the Nationals game for Wednesday night against the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park was postponed on Wednesday morning. You almost never see that. And so we'll have the makeup game on Thursday afternoon beginning at 105. But while it was raining like crazy in the D to the M to the V, we had more maneuvering from the W to the F to the T, uh, the assembling of the Washington football team's initial practice squad for the 2021 season. And oh, uh, do we have some things to talk about off that in-depth reaction next segment to what went down with the waiver process off the cut down to 53 on Tuesday and the putting together of Washington's practice squad on Wednesday. By the way, we already have had notable change to Washington's 53-man roster. I'll get into that next segment as well. Also on the show regarding the Washington football team, three bigger picture takeaways from Washington's cut down to 53. Three things that seem apparent, three things to be thinking about if you're a Washington football team fan. I mentioned that there was no Nats game on Wednesday. There was not, but there was Nats news on Wednesday. The news, in fact, became national news. National news on the Nationals. Uh, Multiple employees reportedly are leaving the Nationals due to not wanting to comply with the Nats COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all full-time staff. And among those employees, longtime executive Bob Boone. I will discuss this later in the show. Also, I'll talk Orioles 
late in the show. They lost on Wednesday night, 5-4 at the Toronto Blue Jays, but Ryan Mountcastle was good again, and two Orioles named Jorge stood out again. Jorge Mateo and Jorge Lopez. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I got a lot of tweets from you guys regarding the Washington football team, and it's cut down to 53, releasing Jimmy Moreland, but keeping Troy Apke. A tweet from at sporty underscore politico. You asked the wrong question on what's more valuable. The question should be what's more valuable, a good backup slot corner or an ace special teamer. You can't compare Apke to a starter. Moreland wasn't going to be the starter. Well, you're right. Moreland wasn't going to be a starter, but he last season was a good starter. So we know that he can be a good starter. And in this case, I'm using starter as a means of saying the number one nickel corner because Washington doesn't start out each game defensively in nickel, but nickel is essentially the new base because most teams are in nickel like two thirds of the time at least. And Jimmy Moreland in the 2020 season was Washington's number one nickel corner. The answer to the question that you posed, by the way, is that a good backup slot corner is more valuable than an ace special teamer. A tweet from at Gutlead, 74. Think you're barking up the wrong tree. Apke is a team's guy. Roberts over Jimmy is the BS. Uh, Talking about Daryl Roberts making Washington's 53-man roster over Jimmy Moreland. Well, you can look at the situation in a few ways. Yes, you could say that Troy Apke is almost like Dustin Hopkins, Tressway, and uh, the Cheeseman, Cameron Cheeseman, and that Apke should be viewed as purely a special teams player. But A, Apke is a corner. He does have a defensive position, and depending on injuries, he could be pressed into playing corner this coming season. Like, I like the people who keep saying, well, Troy Apke's not going to play this season as a corner. How do you know that? How do you know who's going to stay healthy? You have no idea who's going to stay healthy. Washington last season enjoyed remarkable health when it came to the team's cornerbacks. Kendall Fuller, Ronald Darby, Jimmy Moreland, those guys played a ton last season. Are you going to enjoy that kind of cornerback health for a second consecutive season? I hope so, but we don't know so. B, even if you disregard that Apke is a corner, the point here is that Ron Rivera clearly thinks that Apke's special teams value is greater than Moreland's value as a corner. And I just find that surprising considering that Moreland played well last season, or at the very least was a major part of a Washington pass defense that was very good last season. Uh, Also, special teams only account for a fraction of plays in a season. This is an important point that I don't think gets made often enough. Washington, look, I want it to be great on special teams as much as the next guy, but understand the math, okay? The Washington football team in the 2020 regular season totaled 1,089 offensive snaps, 1,045 defensive snaps, and 438 special teams snaps. So special team snaps for Washington in the 2020 regular season worked out to 17.03% of Washington's total snaps. 17.03%. That's it. Now that's not nothing, but that's not close to being as significant as the amount of snaps that you have on offense or on defense. And so someone who can be good on offense or good on defense, the way that Moreland was good as a nickel corner on defense last season, 
is more valuable than even a really good special teams player. Now, maybe Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio over a few beers would tell you that Moreland actually wasn't that good last season. Maybe Ron and Jack believe that Tory McTire and Daryl Roberts are better than Moreland. I said on Wednesday show, episode 135, I am willing to give Ron a benefit of the doubt on cutting Jimmy Moreland. And sure enough, it turns out that Jimmy Moreland cleared waivers. Yeah, it can be a funny thing. What we think and what they know with they being those on the inside. And that's not to say that you should always blindly trust whatever is done and whatever you're told by a team, but that is to say that there are plenty of instances in which those running the team know things that we do not. Uh, More on the Jimmy Moreland situation momentarily. So the Washington football team late Wednesday afternoon announced two roster moves. Washington plays rookie safety Derek Forrest on the reserve injured list and Washington signed linebacker David Mayo to the active roster. So Forrest made Washington's active roster in the cut down to 53 on Tuesday, but he the next day gets put on the reserve injured list. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, This is strategic. Strategery. Yes, strategery. Uh, Had Washington put Forrest on the reserve injured list prior to the cut down to 53, Washington would have been unable to activate Forrest off the reserve injured list this coming season. But putting Forrest on the reserve injured list after the cut down to 53 allows Washington to activate him in just a few weeks. The NFL has this rule so that a team can't just stash guys on the team's reserve injured list prior to a cut down to 53. It's a rule that you have to have because otherwise teams would abuse the reserve injured list like crazy. Uh, Also on Wednesday, Washington brought back linebacker David Mayo one day after releasing him in the cut down to 53. Remember, Ron Rivera at his and Martin Mayhew's joint press conference on Tuesday certainly seemed to suggest that a move at linebacker was coming, and sure enough, a move came. So Washington now has five linebackers and four safeties on the active roster. The five linebackers, Jamin Davis, Cole Holcomb, John Bostick, Kalik Hudson, and David Mayo. The four safeties, Landon Collins, Cameron Curl, Bobby McCain, and DeShazer Everett. Now, also on Wednesday was the Washington football team putting together its practice squad. And boy, was this interesting and telling. Because it turns out that the following is true. Ron Rivera and his crew read the room perfectly in terms of who would clear waivers. Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, Rob Rogers, Chris Polian, Eric Stokes, and everyone else involved, the collective, nailed it. For all of the complaining and critiquing and hand-wringing on cut-down day on Tuesday, and I certainly participated in some of that, it turns out that Don Ron and his crew knew exactly what they were doing. So the Washington football team on Wednesday afternoon announced a 15-man practice squad. Among those on Washington's practice squad, which can consist of up to 16 players, are a number of notable players who were released by Washington in its cut down to 53 on Tuesday. In fact, it turns out, you ready for this? That every player who Washington released in its cut down to 53 cleared waivers. Every player, not many, 
not most, every player, as in all of them, as in 100% of them. Those players include corner Jimmy Moreland, safety Jeremy Reeves, corner Danny Johnson, linebacker Jared Norris, edge rusher William Bradley King, receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden, running back Peyton Barber, guard Wes Martin, center Keith Ismail, on and on I can go. They all cleared waivers. And of the notable players who I just listed, all of those players, with the exception of Moreland, were signed by Washington to its initial practice squad for the 2021 season. Moreland cleared waivers and was placed on Washington's reserve injured list in a procedural move. Uh, The expectation remained that Washington would be parting ways with Moreland. I still don't understand what happened with Jimmy Moreland. It feels like there may well be more to the story. We'll see. But regardless of how you feel about Moreland being released or anything else that Ron Rivera and company did in putting together Washington's initial 53-man roster, the reality is that the team didn't cut anyone who didn't clear waivers. That is extremely telling in several ways. Number one, every player who Washington released in its cut down to 53 clearing waivers communicates that not a single one of those players is seen as all that great. There are things to like about these players, and guys like Jimmy Moreland, Jeremy Reeves, and Peyton Barber brought value to the 2020 Washington football team to varying degrees, but these guys clearing waivers is an obvious sign that the guys aren't viewed as being all that. Like, you can have your opinion, I can have my opinion, but the league spoke on these guys on Wednesday, and again, all of them (laughs) clearing waivers. Point number two, every player who Washington released and it's cut down to 53 clearing waivers is an indication that Ron Rivera and company played their cuts perfectly. Not necessarily in terms of who was kept and who was cut. I still have questions about releasing Jimmy Moreland, but in terms of who you were able to cut, but still sign back to the practice squad. It's important to understand the process with all of this. The way that the assembling of a practice squad works is that players who are cut in the cut down to 53 go through waivers. Players who pass through waivers become unrestricted free agents who can be signed to any team's active roster or practice squad. The NFL for the 2020 season and then again for the 2021 season changed the rules for the practice squad so that each team's practice squad can include up to six players, each with more than two accrued seasons of free agency credit. In other words, the practice squad is no longer just a place for a bunch of young players. And so the cut down to 53 more than ever before has become about not just identifying your best players, but also about ascertaining who will clear waivers and who will not. Ron Rivera and his crew obviously did a great job of figuring out who would clear waivers. And it's not like Ron and his crew didn't care whether those guys cleared waivers because Washington ended up signing so many of those guys to its practice squad. If Rod and his crew truly didn't like these guys, then Rod and his crew would not have signed so many of these guys to Washington's practice squad. This is a great job by Don Ron and his capos. Now, does this mean that every player who Washington kept 
on its initial 53 would not have cleared waivers? No. Uh, I do believe that the likes of Troy Apke, aka Trap, and say Dax Milne would have cleared waivers. But as I have said multiple times over the last few weeks, we do this every year. We think that Washington's players are so good and there's no way that they'll pass through waivers. And then inevitably, they all pass through waivers. And sure enough, that's what happened this year. They all cleared waivers. This is something that we all need to remember for next year's cutdown to 53. Something else that you need to remember is that Weedman cares for your lawn so that you don't have to. If you don't have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Avoid the stress, enjoy your weekends, and let Weedman take care of your lawn. Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, and a variety of other services. Weedman is a national network of locally owned franchises, so you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. You see, Weedman actually answers your phone calls and emails promptly. Weedman actually does what it says it's going to do. I know that stuff sounds simple, and it is, but it's not nearly as common as it should be. When you call Weedman, you're speaking to someone in an office in your area, not someone who's somewhere in like the Midwest. You're not waiting for 30 minutes to speak to someone. Weedman actually has real answers that have meaning in your area. You know, if you say have a certain area on your lawn, that needs attention, Weedman will take care of that area. You're not dealing with some huge faceless corporation that treats you like a number. Weedman is great. Weedman is excellent in the area of personal service. Weedman also uses superior products that really improve your soil. And Weedman only treats what needs to be treated. If you're not satisfied with your lawn or who is treating your lawn, make the switch to Weedman. Weedman's products are of the highest quality. Weedman does not cut corners. And here's something you need to know. A beautiful spring lawn actually starts in the fall. And so Weedman right now is offering something very special to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price, an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. That's about $100 off the usual price for those services. The price is a steal. And uh, it applies to lawns of up to 6,000 square feet. So here's what you do. Call 571-340-3400. When you call, make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. So you get that special deal. Again, an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. And again, that's about $100 off the usual price for those services. The phone number again, 571 340 3400 and make sure that you mention this podcast the Al Galdi podcast so you get that special deal I want you to benefit from this deal uh, you can also google weedman and make a web request just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast weedman a great lawn at a great price with great personal service yeah this thing of all of these guys who Washington released in its cut down to 53 clearing waivers can lead to two very different reactions. Uh, One reaction is that you feel good in that, as I just outlined, Ron Rivera and his crew read the tea leaves accurately in terms of who would clear waivers, so you feel like you have competent leadership when it comes to your football operations. But the other reaction is maybe not so good. You know, that other reaction is, well, these players must not have been that good if they all cleared waivers. And so where are we exactly in terms of the depth on the Washington football team. You know, maybe all of this talk about the Washington football team now being so much deeper as compared to previous recent seasons isn't really worthy of being had. 
It is worth pointing out that there weren't many waiver claims made in general across the NFL on Wednesday, but this was Ron on Tuesday on his general feelings now about his team. I think we've we've put together a good football team. I'm pretty confident in it. You know, I I think some of the things that we did last year, you know, we didn't start from scratch when we got there. There was a good core. And we took, you know, that core added some more players to it. And, um, you know, thought we did some good things last year. And then this year, I think we added on and feel really good about it. Feel real comfortable. You know, and again, as I said, probably my biggest concern is just our maturity level. You know, uh, how mature are we in in terms of getting ready for this season and the way we're going to approach this season and how we'll play? Yeah, Ron's right when he says that there was a decent core with which to work when he took over Washington in January 2020. But clearly, there's still work to be done. Well, with the dust now settling from Tuesday and Wednesday, I have three major takeaways from Washington's cut down to 53. I'll give you those after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, so now that the Washington football team has put together its practice squad and we have a bit of a better sense of things off something like Derek Forrest being placed on the reserve injured list and David Mayo being signed to the active roster, I have for you three takeaways from Washington's cutdown to 53. Takeaway number one, Ron Rivera and his crew cut a number of players who played key roles on Washington in the 2020 season. You always have to be careful with stuff like this because we have a tendency with Washington to proclaim that things are much better, and then it turns out that things really aren't that much better. But Washington, in its cut down to 53 on Tuesday, released a number of players who made significant contributions to a 2020 Washington team that won the NFC East. Yes, with a 7-9 record. Yes, in a division that was putrid. But you think about some of these guys who were let go. Jimmy Moreland, your primary nickel corner, last season cut. Jeremy Reeves, your starting free safety over the final three regular season games and in the wild card loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field, cut. 
Peyton Barber, your primary short yardage back who was quite good in short yardage situations last season, cut. And you wonder how much of this may have had to do with the many new people involved in Washington's front office now. Remember, we had a major front office restructuring for the Washington football team this past offseason. January 22nd, Washington announced the hirings of Martin Mayhew as general manager and Marty Herney as executive vice president of football slash player personnel. February 3rd, it was announced during the introductory Zoom press conference for Mayhew and Herney that Eric Stokes had been promoted to senior director of player personnel. February 15th, Washington announced the hiring of Chris Polian as director of pro personnel. This was Ron Rivera at his and Martin Mayhew's joint press conference on Tuesday on the process by which Washington arrived at its initial 53-man roster. Well, I really appreciated, you know, the process that we used this year. It was a little different. Um, one thing that we did, you know, I, as I told you guys, I met with the coaches. We went through everything with them. Then Martin and, and his staff and Marty, they came in, uh, met with us. And then uh, the next day and then after that morning meeting with, the, with, the, with, with both staffs, then we got together, the coordinators with Martin, Marty, and their staff, and we went through the roster and, 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 and decided on the direction we were going to head. Um, it was a, um, a little, little, a little more in depth. You know, I think we spent a little bit more time discussing uh, and collaborating on it, and I, I really felt good about you know the decisions. I, I know from what we got, I think you know Martin and Marty and, and, and his staff, their staff had a, had a real good opinion on a lot of things that really helped us. Yeah, remember Washington has three current slash former general managers in its front office now, in Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, and Chris Polian. Takeaway number two from the Washington football team's cut down to 53, Ron Rivera and his crew kept young players on the initial 53-man roster who could eventually replace veteran players on the 53-man roster. Think about some of the more notable players who made Washington's initial 53 and what else is going on at those players' position groups for Washington. So Washington, a running back, kept an undrafted rookie in Jarrett Patterson. Could he not be a potential replacement for J.D. McKissick, for whom the 2021 season is the final season of a two-year, $3.27 million contract that he signed in March 2020? You know, not that we're trying to push J.D. McKissick out the door, but if, in fact, Washington chooses not to re-sign J.D. McKissick in the 2021 offseason, it may well be that Washington has its McKissick replacement already in line in Jarrett Patterson. Washington at receiver kept 2021 seventh round pick Dax Milne, who sure seems to be a potential replacement for Adam Humphreys, who Washington signed to a one-year contract this past March. Again, we're not trying to shove Adam Humphreys out the door. He just got here. He hasn't played a regular season snap for Washington. Maybe Humphreys is excellent in the 2021 season and is here for many years to come. But if he's just okay, or if Washington feels like, hey, we feel like Dax Milne can be better, Dax Milne is already on the team and will have a year of experience going into the 2022 offseason. Washington at tight end kept Samus Reyes, right? Who was signed as a street free agent this past April, had never played football at any meaningful level until the 2021 preseason. He is an obvious upside guy. He is an obvious potential replacement 
for, say, Ricky Seals-Jones. You know, you have a guy in Ricky Seals-Jones who's your only truly experienced tight end. I mean, if you want to count Logan Thomas as an experienced tight end, I guess okay. But remember, that's a guy who started his NFL career as a quarterback. I don't think the idea with Ricky Seals-Jones is, hey, we want this guy here for the long haul. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones is here as a placeholder, and hopefully Samus Reyes replaces Ricky Seals-Jones in terms of that Washington football team tight end hierarchy. And, you know, I say that presuming that Samus Reyes is number four in the Washington football team tight end hierarchy right now. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I mean, who knows internally what they're thinking, but in theory, right, Logan Thomas is your top tight end. John Bates and Ricky Seals-Jones are your numbers two and three tight ends in some order. And then Samus Reyes, just because he is so new to the sport, is your number four. But clearly the plan for Washington is not for Reyes to be the number four tight end beyond this season. Now, Washington obviously did not prioritize youth in every instance regarding the 53-man roster. I mean, Washington kept, right, Daryl Roberts over Jimmy Moreland, but you get the idea. This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday. Well, I, I just think if, if you can get a bunch of young guys and get them started early and develop them early and get them playing early, you know, you can hopefully set yourself up to, to sustain it. And, and that's what the goal is, 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 to, is, as I said, is to build sustainable winning culture here. And, and in order to do it, I think we, we, we had to get young. And, and I think we're at a, you know, in a good place right now with it. Um, you know, we, we just started really looking into the second contracts for a lot of guys. Um, you know, we started off with, with with Jonathan Allen, you know, being one of the cornerstones for what we're trying to build. And Brandon Scherf on the offensive line is, is another cornerstone that we'd like to, you know, settle in with, especially, you know, having got done chase last year just before the end of the year. Um, you know, I, I think the, the potential for a lot of uh, growth is there and development. And if they're the right kind of guys, which we believe they are, we feel that we'll have a group of guys that can be around together for, for several years and, and, and hopefully be able to sustain that. Yes, a group of guys, core guys, as Joe Gibbs used to call them. (laughs) Yes, Joe. Hello, Joe. I love that Joe Gibbs laugh. And speaking of Coach Joe, takeaway number three from the Washington football team's cut down to 53, Ron Rivera and his crew seem to prioritize special teams. In fact, it may be that Ron Rivera is prioritizing special teams more than any Washington head coach since Joe Gibbs. (laughs) Yes, Joe. Hello. Uh, I'll grant you that this is tricky because every team keeps some guys who are known to be good special teams players. But Washington, in its cut down to 53, kept a number of known special teams aces. Uh, Troy Apke, right, who Ron Rivera in his joint press conference with Martin Mayhew on Tuesday called one of the best special teams players in the NFL. Here was that. You know, Trapp's one of the best special teams players in the league. I mean, people have to game plan for him as a gunner, um, as a kickoff coverage guy because uh, of his speed. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a good vice guy on, on, uh, on punt uh, return team. And on uh, on uh, kickoff return, he, he you know he plays in the he plays in the front line. I mean, you have an opportunity when you have that other group of guys to keep a luxury uh, player, and that's really what he is. Yeah, high praise from Ron on trap. Uh, whatever you think about Apke, he is a very good special teams player. We've heard that about four thousand times over the last few days, but it is true. He is a high level 
special teams player. Another special teams ace who Washington has on its 53, DeShazer Everett, who has been a very valuable special teams player for Washington for years. He was named the Washington Special Teams Player of the Year for the 2017 season. Derek Forrest had been on Washington's 53, isn't now. He was placed on the reserve injured list late Wednesday afternoon, but Forrest was viewed as a special teams demon like the second that he was taken by Washington in the fifth round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Cincinnati. The guy who took Forrest's place on Washington's 53-man roster on Wednesday, David Mayo. He is known as someone who excels on special teams. David Mayo has played for, yes, the Carolina Panthers, who took him in the fifth round of the 2015 NFL Draft at a Texas State. He played for the Panthers from 2015 through 2018 as mostly a special teams player. Mayo, in fact, led the Panthers in special team snaps in the 2016 and 2017 regular seasons and was number two on the Panthers in special team snaps in the 2018 regular season. Khalid Hudson, he is on Washington's 53. He led Washington in special team snaps for the 2020 regular season at 81.96%. And DeAndre Carter, is on Washington's 53. He's a return specialist. I know technically he is also a receiver, but I'm not anticipating him getting a ton of targets this upcoming season. He's on Washington's 53 to return punts and perhaps kickoffs. Uh, DeAndre Carter signed with Washington as an unrestricted free agent this past April 1st, comes to Washington having averaged 9.35 yards over 63 career regular season punt returns. Has had a bit of a fumbling problem. That's got to get fixed. But DeAndre Carter can return punts and can return punts quite adeptly. You follow the actions more so than the words in sports and the actions that were the putting together of the Washington football team's 53-man roster told us some things. All right, so the Nationals did not play on Wednesday night due to their game against the Philadelphia Phillies at Nationals Park being rained out. Makeup will take place on Thursday afternoon beginning at 1.05. We did, though, have Nats news on Wednesday, and this was news that got national attention. So Bob Boone is out. Who is Bob Boone, you say? Well, Bob Boone is a longtime executive with the Nationals. And if you've been a baseball fan for a while, you are very familiar with the name Bob Boone, former major league player and manager, part of a very famous baseball family. So we on Wednesday had multiple reports that Bob Boone has informed the Nats that he is resigning instead of complying with the Nats' COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all full-time staff. We also on Wednesday had multiple reports that other Nats employees are leaving the team due to not wanting to comply with the Nats' COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all full-time staff. So the Nats last Friday, August 27th, confirmed reporting that they had made getting vaccinated for COVID-19 mandatory for all full-time staff. Employees were notified of the policy on August 12th, had had until last Thursday, August 26th, to provide proof of full vaccination, provide proof of first shot, or apply for an exemption. Now, only full-time staff members are subject to this requirement of being vaccinated for COVID-19. Nats players are not mandated to be vaccinated for COVID-19. That would have to be negotiated between Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association. But Nats Tier 1 personnel, so people like players, coaches, trainers, and other support staff, crossed an MLB threshold of an 85% COVID-19 vaccination rate uh, to have COVID-19-related restrictions eased 
back in late May. So while we don't have a precise number for how many Nationals players have been vaccinated for COVID-19, it's safe to say that a good number of Nats players have been vaccinated for COVID-19. But this is pretty notable that Bob Boone and others on the Nats are saying, nah, I'm good. I don't want this thing and I'm willing to lose my job over this thing. The Nats are one of the few major league teams to have done this, to have mandated getting vaccinated for COVID-19 in terms of full-time staff. So this is sort of uncharted territory for Major League Baseball. You have not had this across-the-board edict of all full-time employees for all teams must be vaccinated for COVID-19. Bob Boone was a Nats vice president and senior advisor to Mike Rizzo, had been with the Nats since 2005. He's 73, and he really has lived a baseball life. Bob Boone was a catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, California Angels, and Kansas City Royals from 1972 to 1990, was a manager for the Royals, 1995 to 97, was a manager for the Cincinnati Reds, 2001 to 2003. And Boone is part of one of baseball's most famous families, the Boones, who include three generations of major league players, Ray Boone, Bob Boone, and Aaron and Brett Boone. And Aaron Boone, of course, is the manager of the New York Yankees. Aaron Boone, back in March, announced that he had been vaccinated for COVID-19. He has a pre-existing condition, a heart condition. So, I don't want to do a whole thing here of you need to get vaccinated for COVID-19 or this is an issue of personal choice, my body, my choice. I mean, I think, you know, that ground has been covered many, many, many times by many, many, many people. As I have said, I got vaccinated for COVID-19 months ago. I do not believe that you should force people into getting vaccinated for COVID-19. This is the kind of thing that you have to decide on your own. I think the data is very clear that these vaccines are safe and these vaccines work. Do they prevent you from getting COVID-19? Not necessarily, but the vaccines lessen the likelihood of you getting COVID-19 and the vaccines lessen the severity of COVID-19 should you get it. And I say that understanding that most people, if they get COVID-19, do just fine with COVID-19, but the vaccines are meant to help to not only prevent the spread of the virus, but also prevent virus mutation, which is a huge issue right now and why we're still not out of this freaking pandemic. But the question that really popped into my mind with the whole Bob Boone thing on Wednesday was this. What if Mike Rizzo didn't want to get vaccinated for COVID-19? Like, it's one thing to part ways with Bob Boone and some other people but what if a truly big macher in the Nationals organization said, nah, I don't want to do this, and I'm calling your bluff, fire me? What if Rizzo was an anti-COVID-19 vaccine guy and was like, I'm willing to lose my job over this? Would the Nats actually part ways with someone as significant to the organization as Mike Rizzo? And that would be a fascinating situation to follow Now, part of me is like, all right, the Nats would have never put forth this edict if a guy like Mike Rizzo wasn't on board with the edict to begin with. Uh, But that's just something to think about. Like, as a company, look, you have every right to mandate employees getting vaccinated for COVID-19, just like those employees have every right not to get vaccinated for COVID-19, right? Freedom of choice does not mean freedom of consequence. So just as the employee can do as he or she wants to do, so can the employer do as he or she wants to do. But, you know, there are levels to all of this. And it's one thing to say adios to Bob Boone. It would be another thing to say that to Mike Rizzo. And I just wonder about that. If someone as prominent as Rizzo was anti 
getting vaccinated for COVID-19, where might we be at? But for now, like I said, a good number of Nats Tier 1 personnel vaccinated for COVID-19 months ago. I'm presuming that Mike Rizzo was on board with getting vaccinated for COVID-19, although, you know, I can't say that uh, with complete certainty. And who knows, maybe there are a bunch more Nats employees who are about to be out of jobs because those employees will not follow what the Nationals have mandated. Yeah, so the Nationals did not play on Wednesday night. The Orioles did play on Wednesday night. Uh, The Orioles lost, uh, I know, shocking, 5-4 the final at the Toronto Blue Jays. O's end up dropping 2-3 in the series. O's now a major league worst, 41-91. Ryan Mountcastle did have another productive game. He was the Orioles' number two batter again, though this time he was their starting DH as opposed to starting first baseman, and he got on base three more times. This guy is on some kind of run. A one-out single in the top of the first, a two-out seven-pitch bases-loaded walk in the Orioles' two-run second, and a leadoff six-pitch walk in the Orioles' one-run seventh. Mountcastle's OPS for the season now up to 821. I'll tell you another Oriole who's hitting, Jorge Mateo. Uh, Mateo on Wednesday night was the Orioles starting shortstop at number seven batter. He had a leadoff double in the Orioles one run six, despite having been down to the count at 1.12. And he drew a one out six pitch walk in the top of the eighth. The game leaves Jorge Mateo with the following slash line as an Oriole over 81 plate appearances, batting average of 325, on base percentage of 366, slugging percentage of 481. He has been a nice find for the O's so far. The O's on August 5th claim Mateo off waivers from the San Diego Padres. Yeah, this guy was a waiver claim. He is lightning fast. He had been a highly touted prospect, but he came to the O's with terrible offensive numbers at the major league level. 121 career regular season plate appearances for Mateo prior to his time with the O's. OPS of 545. And he had, get this, 38 strikeouts versus three walks. Yeah, that's not the way that's supposed to go. But Jorge Mateo so far has been great. Uh, Speaking of Orioles named Jorge, who are doing well, Jorge Lopez is doing well as a reliever. So Lopez in this 5-4 loss at the Blue Jays on Wednesday night came into the game with runners on first and third and one out in the bottom of the seventh. And he got the final two outs of the inning, including striking out Marcus Semien on seven pitches, and Lopez did this despite pitching for a third time in four days. Uh, Lopez now, since being removed from the Orioles' rotation into the bullpen, has allowed one run in six into third innings over five games. I think most of you listening know this. Most relievers are failed starters. Uh, Jorge Lopez, at least so far in his major league career, is very much a failed starter, so maybe he has found a role for himself. I'm not a big fan of just giving up on young starters, but I mean, it was not going well at all for Jorge Lopez. He, after his final start here, had an ERA of 635 on the year, and it's not just that, it's what Jorge Lopez has been going through. Uh, I've talked about this in the past. Jorge Lopez, in a postgame press conference on July 17th, revealed that he had gone on the bereavement list due to his son having received a bone marrow transplant as his son was undergoing chemotherapy. So you can only imagine how that must be weighing on the guy. And then Lopez, in his last start before being moved to the bullpen, did not seem to be in a good place. 7-2 loss at the Tampa Bay Rays on August 19th. He allowed four runs in two innings and then was pulled from the game. His fastball velocity in the second inning plummeted into the 80s. Um, 
Lopez said that he was fine, but he ultimately got pulled after the two innings. And Orioles manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference said that Lopez was, quote, working through some things right now end quote. Uh, You know, there's still a lot about that day we don't know, but the implication seemed to be physically he's fine. Mentally, it's a struggle right now. So, I mean, it's totally understandable, right? If his son is undergoing chemotherapy, so moving Jorge Lopez to the bullpen for at least the rest of this season is perfectly acceptable. And so far, he's doing a nice job. So good for him. I mean, everyone obviously is rooting for him. Uh, The Orioles starting pitcher on Wednesday night was Matt Harvey. Uh, He struggled. Uh, Harvey gave up four runs in four innings, zero strikeouts over the four innings, which is always a great thing. Uh, He gave up six hits, a homer, a double, and four singles. Did only issue one walk. Uh, But this was not an outing in which like Harvey was good initially and then bad or was bad initially and then was good. Harvey had kind of been doing that recently. Uh, Harvey on Wednesday night gave up a run in the bottom of the first, gave up three runs in the bottom of the fourth. Matt Harvey now over 27 starts this season has an ERA of 628. I mean, he's been bad. Everybody knows this by now. But I bring that up this time because Patrick Corbin has the worst ERA in the majors among qualified pitchers at 626. It's worth noting Patrick Corbin's ERA, which yes, is atrocious, isn't necessarily the worst ERA in baseball among starting pitchers. It's just that Patrick Corbin, because he has thrown 141 innings this season, qualifies for the league leaderboards. Matt Harvey has not thrown enough innings to qualify for the league leaderboards, even though Matt Harvey has made 27 starts this season. I mean, think about that. How often in Major League history has a pitcher made 27 starts in a season as September is beginning and yet still doesn't qualify for the league leaderboards because he's been pulled so early so often from his starts? I mean, again, 628 ERA, that's worse than Corbin's 626 ERA, but Harvey has only thrown 123 and a third innings on the season. That, my friends, is an indictment of how bad you have been in a season. Uh, No game for the O's on Thursday. They on Friday night begin a three-game series at the New York Yankees. All right, my friends, that will do it for you and me. But just for now, keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 137, will feature the latest on the Washington football team, which was set to have a padded practice on Thursday. Things were to be getting physical on Thursday off a practice in the bubble on Wednesday. But Friday's show also will be a special installment of the Al Galdi podcast because Friday's show will be my college football preview show. The focus of this podcast, as you likely know, is D.C. area sports. Well, it's a little tricky for college football, but the four major programs that are considered quote-unquote D.C. area programs are Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia, like the four primary FBS programs that people care the most about in this area. And so I will have for you the first ever installment of Goldilocks on the podcast. You've heard of Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Well, I do Goldilocks, my college football picks for Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Also, I will have not one, but two special guests on the show. Jeff Ehrman, the founder and publisher of InsideMDSports.com, talking Maryland football, and Mike Barber, ACC insider for Richmond.com, talking Virginia Tech 
and Virginia football. A big installment of the pod for Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. (laughs) This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.